Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. After Thomas the Tank Engine, things suddenly take a violent turn. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. There should be a cartoon show about dinosaurs that are also trucks. They're both. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. He has the ability to summon fish to do his will. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Amy, how dare you? Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week we're talking about boy toys, like like dinosaurs. And Doesn't sound right, Amy. Oh. <laughs> this week we're talking about boys' toys. Boys and their toys. This is a family boys podcast. We'll exactly. be talking we're about... really talking about boy toys. We're talking about toys... And Nerf boys. guns and dinosaurs and superheroes. This this idea came to us from our listener Amy, who's an old friend of mine. Not no, you. Not you me. Just going on the Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash what fresh hellcast and seeding us this episode. If I was pretending to be a listener, I wouldn't actually use my own first name. Very clever. I don't Very think so. This is Amy E. And she okay. said, you know, that we did a, a princesses, if you must, episode. Uh, a couple months back, and she said, time to do a counterpoint. What about the boy toys? Why are our boys obsessed with these particular things? Does it matter if they're obsessed with them? Are we supposed to keep guns out of the house, toy guns? That's what we're going to talk about this week. All right. And ages and stages. This goes on and on and on. My 45-year-old husband has some obsessions of his own that we could talk about. (laughs) Apple. (laughs) (laughs) Giving all our money to Steve Jobs. (laughs) I wanted to make a little bit of a preemptive argument before we start, because... You know, somebody will be like, well, not all boys like trucks and and some boys like dolls and some girls like trucks. Yes, yes, that's true. And if your kid likes toys that cross the gender aisle at Target, like good for you and let them play with them. But there is a gender based imperative at at work here. And I have I have science. Want to hear some science on this, Margaret? Lay some science on me, Amy. 2008 study in the journal Hormones and Behavior, which I know you One of my favorites, big subscriber. I'm hoping they do a HBO show soon. (laughs) They they did an an experiment with girl and boy children and girl and boy rhesus monkeys. Okay. And they discovered there was a difference between those two things? They discovered there's no difference between kids and monkeys. Exactly the same as raising a rhesus monkey. And in in this one particular way. So they put girl and boy kids in one room and the rhesus monkeys in another room. They weren't all playing together, but they did give them the same toys. That would have been fun, though. If it was just monkeys and children. It, yeah. It, it, that's, I mean, yeah, let's do that study next, right? You'd learn a lot about hormones and behavior. Well, so they, so they, gave, the, they gave the kids and then the monkeys the same toys. They gave them some plush toys, which I guess means stuffed animals, and it gave them some wheeled toys, stuff with wheels. And they found that the magnitude of preference for wheeled over plush toys differed significantly between males and females. In other words, the little boy children went for the toys with wheels over and over again. And so did the boy monkeys, and much more so than the little girl children and the little girl monkeys. So their conclusion was that the similarities between the humans and the monkeys in this situation demonstrated that these preferences can develop without explicit gendered socialization. 
I'm I'm into that study. Yeah, I'm interested. It's in interesting, that. and I think there is gendered socialization, and everything's pink. And I have my big issues with that. But but in a larger sense, having had two boys and then a girl, I'm going to say like, yeah, they do like different sorts of toys. They're drawn to different things. Well, this is summed up on my sister who had a friend in college who was raised basically like on a commune. Like she lived, you know, in the woods with people and they had no toys at all. And she had a stick that she would wrap up in cloth and it was her baby. And her brother had a stick that he would shoot everyone with. Like there's something that goes deeper than just like we tell kids that. I mean, at the same time, I agree that like, the diaper, there was a famous thing with like diaper boxes and the boy diapers, which first of all, there's no such thing as boy or girl diapers. The boy diapers had like a little baby boy holding a briefcase and going to work. And the girl diapers, like the girl was cooking dinner. Oh my I mean, gosh. it was kind of like, dudes, no, let's not do this. But you can't overstate how much this is not just something that we foist upon children. Right. Okay. So we'll take as a given that, that some of this is just baked in the cake for little boys. And let's look into why that is, which I think it's pretty interesting. Let's do it. Amy. So, so my kids, I wanted to find out for you, my, I feel like little children and particularly boys. And again, I, there are some studies that back this up, that boys tend to really do a deep dive on, you know, one thing in their preschool years. And for my oldest, who's a high schooler now, but when he was little, he loved little plastic animals like the little teeny ones you get in tubes. That was his thing. He liked to set them up on the windowsill and arrange them and move them around. And he was obsessed with animal facts and he loved to make up animal facts like dolphins have seven stomachs or whatever. He loved to wax rhapsodic about about animal facts that may be a mishmash of something he had heard. He liked to look at pictures of animals. He was all about animals. Yeah, mine was, I had a Thomas the Tank Engine, or like trains, basically, all things trains. We knew all the guys on Sodor and this guy's name and temperament, like all the trains. That was a big one for us. And then I had a dinosaur guy. I want to go back to the Thomas the Tank Engine thing because my, my friend's son, he is three now, he loves Thomas the Tank Engine. He in particular, has become so obsessed with the inserts. I, I hated Thomas the Tank Engine, so I was like, no, we're not listening to that in our house. So I managed to keep it at bay because I just found the voices annoying. That's another episode. But he guess the, the figures come with little pieces of paper, I guess. Oh, I was not aware they of They come this. in the box. We weren't that into Thomas. Well, her kid, this is, like, this is what I'm talking about. Her kid, like, yeah, the figures were nice, but what he really liked were the pieces of paper that came with them that had the pictures of everybody on the Isle of Sodor. And he would sleep with these tiny little pieces of paper, still does. And he became so obsessed with those that she took them and had them laminated for his birthday. And he calls them his newspaper, and he's doesn't really need them anymore because he has, you know, total recall of everything on them. But he likes to peruse them just about daily and talk about, you know, talk about all the characters. He's done a total deep dive on that. And I got one that's really, really funny. Random. My, my little brother, he just turned 30. So here's an embarrassing story from my now grown up brother. When he was little, he became obsessed with a catalog of religious articles that my mom had around the house. Like, oh, like that's perfect. Like lawn statues and, you know, devotional medals and things like that. And he'd she'd put him to bed in his crib down for a nap with a catalog of religious articles. And you could hear him through the monitor saying, like, there's a Maui, there's a Noto Maui. And he would go through it and just had this dog-eared catalog of religious articles. Now? He's not a priest. It's, this is this is what's so interesting, right? Is they go down these rabbit holes that don't necessarily, you know, have a, <laughs> have a long life, but they're really intense while they're there. Well, I have another funny story that I have to tell on my nephew who his thing, he started with dinosaurs. He was, I mean, he was always a super bright kid. And like at two, he could be like, well, the Pachycephalosaurus has a head that did. I mean, he was just always repeating dinosaur facts. But then in about, I mean, pretty young. I'm going to say four or five, and my family may correct me and say you're crazy. It was more like seven or eight, but it was very, very young. He became obsessed with World War II <laughs> and World War II history. And the famous story of this is that at some point, you know, jokingly, when he was like seven or eight, we were at a wedding and someone said, oh, can you see yourself getting married? And he said, 
I guess if I could find a girl who looked like Cinderella, but knew a lot about World War II history, <laughs> I might. And I mean, we laughed and laughed. That kid today is a PhD candidate getting his PhD in World War II history. <laughs> so he stuck I with mean, it. I mean, he stuck with it. He like got obsessed with World War II when he was six, and now he's getting his PhD. And he's, you know, in his 20s. I don't think that's, that's the exception, though. That, that's not, I mean, most, every kid, you're like, oh, they'll become a paleontologist or a zoologist when they grow up, and they don't. They just become like accountants. Right. This is just for a time. And there's, there's actually a, a term for this for this moment in of time. Of course there of is. Of course there is. Psychologists call this extremely intense interests. And they say- I mean, about that's a, not a very good name, psychologists. Yeah. I mean, that's just basically just saying what, it, what is. it is. About a third I of thought kids you were going to say like, you know, dinosaur derangement syndrome or something. <laughs> extremely intense interest is not really a name for it. Well, it just a, describes what they're doing. A third of kids have one. It's but so, so here's how you know. I'm going to give you a, a checklist and you can say your kids have one. I, I, I Yeah, that was interesting to me, but I- I will say my kids like stuff, but not as much as my oldest like plastic animals. So I was sort of yeah. One I was I only had once really yeah. And it's between the ages of two and six, although sometimes the interest lasts longer, like World War Two. Parents are usually it's between the ages of two and twenty six. Yeah, it says parents are usually mystified as to where these things come from. Absolutely right. Like I'm sure your your brother and sister in law were sort of like where where for the World War Two obsession. Okay. Certainly the Thomas the Tank Engine laminated inserts just came out of wherever. And and my little brother found this catalog on the kitchen table one day. They just they just find something and they And they're like, Oh yeah, that's yeah, it. it. That's it, it, baby. And it comes to dominate their lives. So the, so this study from the University of Virginia looked into this. Why why are they so galvanized by one thing? And it it just comes to take over. And they they found kids in their study. One was obsessed with balls, just anything spherical. Okay. One was obsessed with brooms and toothbrushes. That's a funny one. He had one. to like have some, you know, a brush Future with him. Janitor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He had to have his own set because he had to have toothbrushes that he could play with and they lock away their own because otherwise he'd be, you know, doing stuff with their own toothbrushes. And one kid was obsessed with blenders. He liked to have his parents get out the blender every day and turn it on and he'd carry it around the house and he'd take, take the blender places with him. I have a cousin whose son was obsessed with, now this is a special one, Mr. Potato Head's left arm. <laughs> and they had to write a letter to whoever makes Mr. Potato Head and say, listen, we've got a situation here. Like we cannot buy 90 Mr. Potato Heads, but the kid will not go anywhere without Mr. Potato Head's left arm in his hand. And they sent him a bag of Mr. Potato Head left arms. So cute. So they just ordered the left arms because he didn't care about Mr. Potato Head, but he would not leave the house if he didn't have Mr. Potato Head's left arm it was in an, his hand. It was an extremely intense interest. It was extremely intense. And I feel like they're missing out on like the extremely intense and overly specific interest is what makes it so cool. cool. Yes. All right. So here's here's their checklist for the extremely intense interest. It's relatively long lasting. I mean, like two years, not not a week. It's shown in several different contexts, like the kid wants to talk about Thomas the Tank Engine at home and at school and at their friend's house. It's noticed by people who aren't the immediate family members. Yes. Yes. And it's direct check. It's directed toward multiple objects or activities within the category of interest. In other words, if your kid likes trains, they like to play with trains. They like to look at videos of trains. They like to wear the shirt that has the train. They like It's... Huh. Mr. Potato's arm might be an outlier in that story because I think he just liked to carry Mr. Potato's arm. Well, it would but, be yeah. pretty hard to find a T-shirt with Mr. Potato Head's left right. arm. I mean, that's a very specific <laughs> videos about. I mean, that's a that's a small subreddit, isn't it? Of people yeah, who are obsessed. That's with. really, but that's the internet. You could find your support group. You're I'm sure. There. Like, oh, you're into the left arm. Me too. Oh, I'm only into the right arm. You know, <laughs> left armers. Yeah, but. Back to the gender difference, this study did find, so they studied, they studied kids. They didn't study kids with this interest. They studied kids and found that about a third of kids had these interests. And of the kids who had the interests, 86% of them were boys. Yeah. So with all of these things, it used to be, it's something about boys and liking to like pull to them and memorize tons of facts too, right? Because isn't that like... It used to be baseball cards and now dinosaurs have a lot of that quality. Like it, it's 
the the thing of like the memorization angle seems to be part of it too. Like Thomas the Tank Engine, that you know all their names. Yes. And then they, and Pokemon cards, like they produce them to satisfy exactly this itch. Yes, exactly this itch. It's Memorizing useless facts and making your parents spend money to support your habit. That's exactly true. And there's there's a term for that about memorizing arcane bits of knowledge. And I'm going to tell you what it is right after this. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Amy, Lay it on us. You have a term. Another term. It's another term. So you were just saying that that there does seem to be part and parcel of there need to be lots of little bits of information to sort and master. And there's a researcher at Cambridge. His name is Simon Baron Cohen. No relation to Barat. No relation to Sasha Baron Cohen. I've I've read this guy. I don't actually don't know that they're not that they're not really they're probably Oh brothers. no, I think they actually are distant cousins or something. Yeah. They gotta be, right? Okay. So it's Yeah, right. Simon Baron Cohen. So this yeah. guy, so I mean, this guy looks at male versus female brains. And Simon Baron Cohen says that males are systemizers who like to focus narrowly on trying to analyze, explore, and understand systems. And that this is a lifelong thing. But he argues that yes, that's why little boys in particular have this need to understand systems and be obsessed by things that have lots of detail. And and I think you're right that dinosaurs are the the pinnacle of this category. Right. But it ages and stages. This is also the fact that my husband can be like, oh, that's number 23 on the Houston blah, blah, blah. Oh, absolutely. He used to go to college here. He played left tackle in college, but now in the pros, he plays right tackle. Like, the vast swaths of useless information. My Aunt Terry has a fantastic joke that if she tries to get a male to watch Downton Abbey, she wants to superimpose numbers on their backs because like that's how males understand things. Like <laughs> it should be like, you know, like the downstairs cook has a number. Like everyone just needs a number and then males could get into Downton Abbey. This this because they just it's absolutely the character without a number on their shirt. It's a, it's, it is such a get-rich-quick scheme. If you can figure out a new thing with a system, my 14-year-old is really into Magic the Gathering. Do you know what that is? I've heard of it. What is it? So he, he gets furious when I say this. I say it's like Dungeons and Dragons. And, oh, 
Right. And he's like, how it's dare you? It's Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, it is. It's like Dungeons and Dragons, but it's cards instead of dice. And he loves to collect the cards, to look at the cards. And I play this game with him because he, you know, he really wants people to play with him. It is so confusing that I, and I've played with them, you know, five or six times and I'm still like, all right, just tell me what I'm supposed to do now. And he's like, you tap your mana, then it's level two, then this, then also that. And don't you remember from two turns ago, you have to apply the double life force. It's that. And, and, <laughs> right. I, and I, and you're like, no, I don't remember yeah, from two turns ago as it turns yeah, out. Yeah. And I, I, because I, I'm not insane. I think that I'm a smart person until I try to play magic, the gathering. And so, you know, I've just had to kind of say to him, like, I'll, I will definitely play with you and I won't be competitive and I'll be fine with losing, but you just have to tell me how to play because I still, no, I'm sorry. I still don't understand it. And no, you're not allowed to ever utter the phrase, mom. Yes, if I exactly. And, and Well, Simon Baron Cohen would say it's not your fault. No. It's your female brain. Exactly. It's my female brain that doesn't, I mean, maybe a part of it is it doesn't appeal to me, but, and before that, you're right, it was Pokemon. Before that, it was something called Moshi Monsters. I don't think they're still around, but- it was one of these, like you log into the internet and you have a creature and you have to fix its room and take care of it. But there were four kinds of giggles, giggle monsters, and there were, you know, 16 kinds of dum-dum monsters, whatever. And he, like, he had the whole field. It was the yeah. point. Like the, the, the complicated factor of it was what was interesting about it. The more complicated it is, the more interesting it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's dinosaurs too. Like I remember my four-year-old girl her brothers were way into dinosaurs. And for her four-year-old birthday party, she had a Pachycephalosaurus party. And people were just laughing. Like, that's a weird party for a four-year-old girl to have. But she just, all that she heard about was Pachycephalosaurus. And we just got a poster with all the dinosaurs and stuff. And it's just the memorization of those names. They're so fascinating. They are fascinating. I have a quote from a paleontologist. His name is Ken Lacovara. So here's Here's a kid who uh, did keep it up, and he's actually a paleontologist now. And he says, for many kids, it's their first taste of mastery, of being an expert in something and having command of something their parent doesn't know. In other words, like, your, your kids know everything about dinosaurs, and you just know a little bit. And that's, that's an amazing feeling for a four-year-old. My son is this way with sea life. He's into, do you know the chambered nautilus that's his favorite animal and i was like i don't i've never even heard of a chambered nautilus it's like a snail right uh it's more like a squid okay and we talked about this does it have ink we talked about this at some point oh yes because this obsession has been going on for quite a while now the chambered nautilus and wh where did that come from no idea no idea that's the other thing that's interesting i remember the first couple of times when i had little kids and they started to go they would go to a little daycare around the corner for a couple hours and but when you're with a baby, I was home with my kids and, you know, you're with them all day, every day, and you hear them say things back to you and you're like, yeah, we talked about that. And I so remember the first couple of times they said something to me where I did not know where they got that information and it kind of blew my mind. Like, you are learning stuff from other people or you are, you're processing information that I'm not a part of. It kind of weirded me out. But the chambered Nautilus, who knows where that came from? He loves, my son loves books. They make a lot of them now that are like, who would win? Like he would read a book all day, every day. That's like a grizzly bear versus a giant squid. Like who would win? Yeah. My, my son had one that was on Star Wars, the Star Wars universe. Like who would win Boba Fett versus, uh, you know, Jenga Tao. I don't know. I'm making it up. And no, why? Amy, really? It sounded so I do know funny. everything about Star Wars. My husband's head just exploded listening to oh. this episode. He's like, how could you say Jenga tie? That's not a thing. <laughs> and, and, and who would win? And, and that there are answers to this that you can be memorized and deployed in the cafeteria at, at specific moments, right? To show your, to show your superior your knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, there's definitely a violence component oh, involved. Like, got to be, right? Got to be that after Thomas the Tank Engine, things suddenly turn, take a violent because turn. yeah, because dinosaurs you know eat people. That 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 is part of the appeal, I think, for for a young lad. Yes, and that I think brings us to superheroes. Oh yeah, okay. Well, wait, I want to know: do the are the sea creatures dangerous that your son is interested in? Presumably, Mostly. okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. They're ranked in order of preference from least dangerous to most dangerous. So yeah, so superheroes, another oh gosh, another deep dive of a category. A lot of the same characteristics though memorization everybody's got a story an outfit 
There's lots of useless facts that you can learn about. We just had Comic-Con in New York City over the weekend. And I went by in a taxi going very slowly because all these people in crazy costumes, adults were jaywalking in their in their comic book costumes. So this is really a lifelong obsession if you if you seek it out. Oh, ages (laughs) and stages. You can still be dressed as Dr. Strange and running around Third Avenue if you want. My kids were a little bit into superheroes. My my nephews are more into it. Like my nephews have We're deep in right now. We are we are in we're at the top of the mountain, I think. I mean, I can't imagine it getting any more than this. Like we we're way into we're in that my husband is giving half of his take on pay to Apple Corporation. My ten year old is spending all of his personal capital thinking about the Marvel universe. Does he does he get comic books? No, not comic books. Although we should probably get some. That might be a good way to like actually turn this thing into something useful. Uh, yeah, but sounds like you have some money no. left to actually burn. So you can get- oh, yeah. No, no, no. We got plenty of money left after the Apple Watches and the Marvel t-shirts. No, comic books might be a good idea because that would at least, you know, be useful. But no, we, this is just Legos, figurines and watching the movies and talking about them obsessively. We're dressing as Spider-Man for Halloween and there's a big debate about old school Spider-Man, fake costume Spider-Man. And then of course I was talking to a group of boys. I think it was my Boy Scouts the other day. And we were talking about the Spider-Man costume. And I said, well, maybe what about the outfit they reveal at the end of Spider-Man Homecoming? Spoiler alert, guys, if you haven't seen it. And I didn't remember what it was called and I'm not going to remember it now, but they were like, oh, you mean... Uh, Iron Spider-Man or whatever. Again, like you idiot. Like who doesn't know the name of the Spider-Man costume that was revealed at the end of Spider-Man Homecoming? Spoiler alert. It's me. I don't know. I remember my little boys being like this about about Star Wars and they hadn't seen the movies yet, but they could still be like, oh, no, no. Darth Vader is this and that and the other thing because you just have you got to play the game. It's like, uh, oh, Star Wars. It's just in it's like Florida in the water. Like it's in the air somehow because my husband is an ultra Star Wars nerd. Like he's way, way into Star Wars. He's an engineer and, you know, he's just like just everything that Star Wars was made Right between for. the eyes. Oh, I mean, it is like a shot to the heart. He don't care. And so there was sort of a debate like, well, when are we going to introduce him to Star Wars? And then, yeah, at, by four, they're like, Darth Vader says this. And again, you're like, where did you get this information? How do you know who Darth Vader is? And so- they watched Star Wars when my kids were like five, which was probably age inappropriate. But well, you can watch the um, the Star Wars. There's a Star Wars cartoon in the Cartoon Network. That's not that's not oh, too yeah. violent. But it reminds me of this. If you like to talk to my husband for three and a half hours, suggest that he watch the Star Wars cartoon. Okay? It reminds me. He'll tell you the eight hundred reasons why that's not real Star Wars. It reminds me of the scene from the Forty Year Old Virgin, where Steve Carell's character has to talk about you know what it's like, and he says, "Oh yeah, no, sure," and he's like bags of sand and he's, he's saying things that don't that don't make any sense but he's trying to be cool and exist in this cool world with the other guys and that's what that's what the little kids are like when they kind of have half of it but they but they really need to be able to speak that language so superhero play itself i thought this was interesting there was a 2014 study that found that the more exposed boys were to superheroes the more male stereotyped their play was. This seems bad yeah, and for, for girls family. who watched a lot of superhero stuff, the more weapon play they had that they play they they imagine and play with imaginary weapons more if they've seen more superheroes. And that, I wonder what age they're talking about. Mm, I think it was pretty young. I think they were talking about about you know definitely like two to six year olds. Yeah, because my kids are like ten, eight, and six, and so they're not interacting with superheroes in the same way that they and I will say when my boys were younger they were into Batman and it's funny because Batman like doesn't have weapons I don't know Batman just seems to like drive around in a cool car to them when they're littler and now that they're older it's like they migrate more to like the Avengers yeah well Batman gets less interesting grown into a different level of superhero Batman gets less interesting once the kids get hip to he just has stuff on his belt he doesn't actually have right the utility belt kill you with his hand or you know or aquaman like he just doesn't because he's Batman. if he he doesn't do that 
put a took a thing from his belt that was like a super magic hand and put it on, he could. He doesn't really possess any superhero. He just he he acquires his power. He's just a man. He's not interesting. He's just a man trying to get revenge on the world. Aquaman. Aquaman is not that interesting either. Maybe interesting to your son who likes Amy, dangerous. Sea how dare you? He has the ability to summon fish to do his will. <laughs> there's there's a I have to what could be a better superpower? I have to find the that? link and put it on the show page. There's a there's a stand up comic that talks about this that you know aqua an aquaman can speak to fish and they say like and he's like let's you know let's fight the little we're gonna drive and they just you know long pause they just <laughs> so that's all they do that's all you got you well, talk to fish and they're done i will say too like we're we're outside of this conversation is the whole idea of marketing like in the last two years or whenever the avengers movie basically starting with iron man which was probably five years ago i don't know the marketing for these things has ramped up and that also infects the dialogue. Like they're not discovering these things on their own. It's like the whole world is Avengers now. So my kids are into it. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about this, this superhero study is it said that, you know, so they were playing more of the weapon stuff and it said parental active mediation did not negate these effects. So that to, that made me think of you, Margaret, when you're like, yeah, like, am I really supposed to worry about this? Cause, cause is this going to change anything? I don't think that our kids jumping on the couch and pretending that they have lightsabers is so terrible, really. But it did say that once they're exposed to this stuff, you trying to manage how they play will be useless. Well, good to know. <laughs> I'm going to just play Candy Crush then and let too, them beat each other over the head with Star Wars. Too late with you. toilet paper rolls. Can we go back to Thomas the Tank Engine? Because that, I feel yes. like that's a whole category, the, the stuff with wheels, right? That they, that the trains are the coolest things on earth. One of my sons used to just put cars he he'd get like little cars little hot wheels and he just would get down on the floor and put his eyes as close to them as he could and just move them back forth just a couple of inches and he just would look at the wheels and that was a good afternoon for him and that was just he was so happy with that but there's something about thomas the tank engine in particular like maybe they just were genius make, make a show about trains because boys love trains but there's something about that world that's just seems to inspire a deep dive for lots of lots of kids. I think it's all the different trains. They all have different personalities. They all have different colors. There's lots of stuff to memorize. And then it's trains, yes. which are already and great. then trains. I read it was it was actually this same Baron Cohen guy. He suggested that the Thomas the Tank Engine thing works for little boys because as you say, like they have categories. I don't even know them, but there's like the cranky one and the huffy one and the yeah, they have one. They have personalities, but they're they're immutable. They don't change at all. And each train has a facial expression that is very clear and which never changes. And so Yeah, there's something about that that is right. Yeah, on. like the mad train and the jealous train or whatever, that that really helps. I used kids. to know them. I can't believe it. I could have it five years ago, six years ago, I could have told you every single train and their personality and Every Christmas morning was Thomas the Tank Engine trains. And we had a little barn where they would go into at night. And they even on that show will repeat. This is why I could never stand to have it on the house. They would repeat stuff. I remember like that absolutely can't happen. Absolutely can't happen. They would say stuff twice a lot. Right. But that's what makes it appealing, yeah. right? It's very, very age appropriate. Yeah. And it show. is right. It is. That guy's the mad guy and he has a mad face and he's always going to have the mad face. And I can I can put him over here in this category. So I guess that's. I guess that's why. Do you have you heard of this show called Dino Trucks? Oh yes, we've watched Dino. Isn't it Dino Tracks? No, it's Dino Trucks. Dino Trucks. Yes, uh, we've watched. For those it. of you who don't know what this is, some genius out there figured out that there should be a cartoon show about dinosaurs that are also trucks. They're both. And I, my my nephews are obsessed. I talked to my sister about it, and she's like, "Yeah, no origin story. Not, none has ever been offered. There's no explanation of how they came to be both a dinosaur and a truck. They just are." And she said, "Their kids will fight in the backseat on the way to school about which dino trucks they're going to be for the ride to school this morning. Like this morning, I will be playing the role of Dumpy, and you and they they fight about that." We've definitely had those fights in my in my house about. Star Wars and everything is like, who do you get to be and who do I get to be? So I think we should talk a little bit about whether or not we should be doing anything about all of this. And we're going to start that conversation after the break. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. 
Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. And now, the things boys obsess about through the years. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Three-year-olds. This is Heat Wave, the one who's fighting the Apatosaurus. And he can turn into an Apatosaurus. And then there's Boulder that can turn into a Triceratops. Eight-year-olds. Warbox is the funnest game in the world because there's different games. And my favorite, zombie attack, where there's different types of zombies. Here's a list of the zombies. Fast zombies, regular zombies. 13-year-olds. Even though Kevin Durant is the second best player in the league, he will always be considered below Stephen Curry on the Warriors. Warriors will always be considered in the eyes of the media as Stephen Curry's team, even though Kevin Durant is the better player. And I know for 25-year-olds. Well, actually, the thing that anyone should understand about Radiohead at the point where they were at in 1997 is they had come off the bends. It was three years prior. Great. They needed something else. In America, they weren't quite there. They were the creep. 45-year-olds. It was the worst. I, I hit a career drive. It was like 250, maybe 260, and then I get up to it, and it's in a divot. And so I have to pull I'm thinking it would probably be more of a soft seven usually, but I really got to gouge it out of there. So I pull an eight and try to swing really hard, and of course I push it like I always This has been the things boys obsess about through the years from the What Fresh Out podcast. Okay, so my question, I guess, is like, we understand that this is going on. We have had some interesting research about why this is going on. And should we be trying to play a role in this, Amy? Well, here, yes. I thought maybe, and the category where I did come down on the side of, I have to do something about this, at least when my kids were little, was fake weapons, was, you know, toy guns. I didn't allow any guns in our house. That lasted until they were about 10, and then we got some Nerf guns. But we didn't have any toy guns in our house, and... I tried to keep the lightsabers out of our house for a while because I just knew they'd end up hitting each other over the head with them. And then, of course, they get one for the birthday. Like, that's the problem, right? You can only keep, you're, you're like Hodor holding the door shut. And there's only so long you can keep the stuff out of your house. And eventually it gets in. And my kids used to call it a lifesaver. And they would, you know, just like who got to hold it, who got to sleep with it. It was this this huge huge thing. And but but I also saw that while I was trying to keep no toy guns in our house, they were turning throw pillows into guns and they they, they played that way all the time with I pillows think and booms. I think something very absolute about that. And I mean, I know people who have toy guns in their house and I know people who don't. We kind of came in down on the side of few toy guns. 
and rules around guns. Like even playing, shooting people who don't want to be shot, who aren't part of the game is out. We, we went with more allow the guns and then make very specific rules around them. I have expert advice on here. Dr. Michael Thompson, we've talked about him on the show before. He wrote a book about boys called Raising Cain, protecting the emotional lives of boys. And he says, he comes down on toy guns are fine. And here's why. He says they're playing and play does not lead to lethal aggression. Play is consensual. So I th- that goes right to what you were just saying that like, don't yes, shoot your sister absolutely. who's not in the game and doesn't want to be playing. So he's saying play is consensual. Aggression is hurtful and, and hurts the other person. Play doesn't produce any of that. Although, hello, uh, it does when the lightsaber is used to whack your other brother across the Head. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I'm liberal on this topic, but I think even that's sometimes a good lesson. What's a good lesson? How you get hurt while you play and what hurts people and how not to do that. And some of that involves getting hurt in a game. That's, that's, yeah, that's true. I mean, you, you, your kid has to learn not to do that, right? To, to We've talked aggressive. a lot about how your kid, ahead, your your kid, kid needs to be able to feel the aggressive, like Hulk mad, even in, in their imagination, you know, complete deep dive. They've gone through the looking glass. They really are dino trucks, but they can't, they can't really push each other. They have to do it to learn that. You're right. And also, I, we've talked about before that, like, I let my boys play one of their favorite games in the world, which is called fight. And they go out on the lawn and they fight each other. They kick each other. They roll around. They wrestle. And I let them play fight. But they know that if somebody comes in crying, the game is over. Like, I think it kind of helps them figure out like physicality and things like consensual play and is, are both of the people having a good time? And if not, you have to stop. And I think there's some lessons to be learned. I, I always sort of dreaded when the Nerf guns and the lightsabers came out because, you know, it's like 10 minutes till somebody's crying. Like, I, I okay, whatever I thought I was going to get done in the next 20 minutes is going to have to be put aside because somebody's going to be crying any minute now. And I don't I don't disagree that it's sort of part of life, have to learn how to do it, have to learn to negotiate, but it, it never ended well. We had a birthday party for my son. He was really into Star Wars. And so we hired a Darth Vader to come to the birthday party. And I realized when I hired him, I mean, I just paid the guy online and he was showing up at the house and he shows up at the house. He was like an Eastern European guy and he shows up at the house. I've got 20 kids in the yard. And I said, but what do you do as Darth Vader? Like, what am I supposed to help? And he's like, "We, we play, we play, we have fun. I said, okay. Like, I didn't really know what the plan was. And so he came out with like a boom box and he was dancing around. And he was not there. And I was like, wait, this is really odd. (laughs) And then I think he was trying to make it like Simon Says and stuff with Darth Vader. But I had made the kids balloon lightsabers. So they were already fighting with them. And then this guy who was very young and in very good shape just started running. And the kids just chased him (laughs) around the yard and tried to beat him to death for like... 20 minutes. And that was the party. And the kids were like, this was the greatest party ever. But there were times where like, it was like he he incited this animal violence in them. Like he started to run the entire party <laughs> of kids started to chase him. But if anyone caught him, they would start like ripping his cape off and like punching him. And I was like, whoa, whoa. And these were girls and boys. Oh, that's so funny. And I finally would have to start intervening and being like, you can chase Darth Vader, but if you catch him, you're not allowed to like it was crazy. They were, it, it was, it was like back, it was Lord of the Flies, basically. That is so funny. But they loved the party. They were like, that's, that was the greatest party ever. Well, okay. So, so Dr. Thompson says that, that that's where it's supposed to go, that fantasy lives are what they are. And that's not a time for lessons on humanizing the other, he says. And I liked that because that's, that would be my tendency. That moment was no, you, you couldn't humanize the Darth Vader guy running around in the yard. Like, okay, go with it. And nobody, nobody, nobody kill each other. Don't actually hurt each other. Well, it's really interesting and developmentally appropriate, and it's something we're thinking about. Like, I have conversations with my boys all the time about, well, guns, and, you know, they like shooting them, and they're shooting other people. And then occasionally they'll have conversations of like, well, bad guys have guns, good guys don't. And it's like, well, it's more confusing than that, and it's more subtle than that in real life. Guns are a very complicated issue. But they're developmentally not that for an eight-year-old or a six-year-old, you know? They're like, bang, bang, I'm pretending to be a Star Wars fighter. And you don't really have to do a deep dive onto them about the complex relationship between humans and guns. 
I have a funny story it, it, about playing with weapons. You know, Laura Dern is in the latest Star Wars movie. Yes. And they run around and they fire at each other. And obviously they're, they're playing and it's all green screened in later behind them, right? Everything that's actually happening, all the effects. So they have to use their imaginations. So if you watch her, when she fires her weapon, the actress goes pew, pew every time she fires her weapon. Like you can see her saying it because she couldn't not do it. And she was running around. That is really <laughs> funny. Pew, pew. Yeah. So curses. I have to watch that movie. It'll now. give you a point of like when your eyes would roll back in their head, right? From from boredom that you have to watch this movie again. Now you have something to watch for. Yeah. I mean, my, my sister-in-law tells a story about her boys playing in the basement at some point, And it was like, no guns were allowed in their house. And then the whole basement was getting destroyed. And they're like, what are you doing? And they're like, we're on the prairie and we're beating this bear to death. <laughs> <laughs> And they were like, you know what, just shoot it with a pretend gun. Just go ahead. Fine. We give in. But yeah, I mean, they're playing stuff out. I think that's good for their brains. I mean, I hate it. And I've had experiences where I've gotten into like a car or something with a kid who's got a gun and they're sticking the gun in my face and I'm oh shooting your face. And no way. Guns, even playing with guns, it needs to be done in an appropriate way. But it doesn't mean that it's a complete no. You have to put, yes, yeah, so you can't, I, I think you can't prevent some of this play. It's it's part of our developing brains, it seems, to to be curious about aggression. And so you just have to put parameters around it. Yeah, I like the idea of, of consent is a big, big idea for preschoolers. But I love this idea of like, if she doesn't want to play, then you can't, you can't bully her and, and come after her with the Nerf gun. Like that's not allowed. That That's, that's the number one can't do that. Everybody playing this game has to want to be playing this game. Right. And if someone changes their mind in the middle of the game and doesn't want to play anymore, they're out of the game, you know, like just understanding that it's a back and forth and it's fun if you want it to be, but Otherwise, I have to step in. You know, uh, now I have two teenage boys and they have aggressive tendencies sometimes that come out in wrestling or basketball or Xbox, but they're no longer running around the house with toy guns. It, it, it is a stage, an intense and brief stage. And I think for some of us, it can be very disturbing to see that. And like, I've had experiences with my son where he's like, I'm going to kick that guy's butt. And I'm like, whoa, 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 you're not allowed to say that. And he's like, I'm going to X that guy's O. Like he just, he's still thinking it. Like he's processing something in his brain. You know what I mean? Like you can't, like with anything with kids, trying to like cap it and push it down is not going to work. You have to figure out, like, why is that guy frustrating you so much? How can we give it language? Because just saying, like, you're not allowed to be aggressive is not going to work. And when, if your kid has an extremely intense interest with the blender or Thomas the Tank Engine or the remote control, like, it, it's, it's okay. Don't worry about it because it's developmentally appropriate. And there are good things about it. Do you want to hear the good things about? Lay them on me. Give me some good loving things. Loving a blender. 2007 study, researchers who followed up with the parents of 177 kids, they found that their intense interests, they only lasted between six months and three years. And the reasons why they think is because they go to school and they have to, they really do have to learn stuff. They have to sit down at their desks and learn stuff. And they're meeting friends who maybe aren't as into Thomas the Tank Engine only ever as they are. So socialization helps them find new stuff to obsess about, like Star Wars that they're not allowed to watch yet, but they have to know everything about that. They can join a more common obsession. Yeah. But the kids who have these, they found, the kids who had these intense interests in the first place, even when they grow out of them, go on to have better attention spans, better processing skills. They're, they're better learners for having done this obsessive deep dive at a young age. Yeah, I see that. I definitely see that. It makes sense. Or you could just turn out with, like my nephew and make your obsession the topic of your PhD. And I wonder if it, I mean, you could say, is it chicken or egg? Is it, is it that an extremely intense interest makes a kid more smart or is it smarter kids are more likely to have extremely intense interests? I would bet on number two. If I, yeah, was I think betting. I would too. But, but so I guess if your kid has an extremely intense interest, pat yourself on the back because that's a smarty pants right there. Yeah. And sometimes you'll find with kids who tend towards, you know, the spectrum a little bit that their extremely intense is interests can get in the way of their socialization and stuff. But even still, I think those very intense interests are generally a positive. It shows that they're like really curious about stuff. Interested yeah. in learning. Yeah. Good. It's all good. We solved it. We solved it. I mean, <laughs> there wasn't much to solve, guys. Boys are into crazy things. 
you, but the, the Isle of Sodor will not last forever as the only topic of discussion at your house. So, you know, go with it. Yeah. I mean, lean in. I think I, I've, I sometimes got cranky on this topic and I was like, I literally cannot hear one more thing about this. Don't talk about it anymore. But I kind of looking back, I wish I'd leaned in a little bit more and just been like, yeah, this is where we're at right now. Let's do it. It's, it's inspiring me to really try to play Magic the Gathering again and really try to get the rules this time. <laughs> not not like, just card. Just tell me what card. It's not great. That seems a little extreme. We want to hear what your kids are extremely obsessed with at your house. And there's a couple of ways you can tell us. You can come on our Facebook page, which is What Fresh Hell Cast. You can visit us on Twitter at WFH Podcast. Or on Instagram at What Fresh Hell Cast. And we want to ask you guys a favor. If you're listening to this podcast but not subscribing yet, you should definitely subscribe. One, because it's free. Two, because the new episodes just show up on your phone and you don't have to remember to download it every time there's a new episode. So we'll put instructions up on our website, whatfreshhealthpodcast.com, and we will also have links to all the studies and things we talked about today. And guys, go enjoy, go talk to a kid about Star Wars for the rest <laughs> of the day. Go lean in on Thomas the Tank Engine, and we will talk sea to creatures. you next week, sea creatures. Enjoy the chambered Nautilus. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.